Cradeline Network. Teach me how to think. Can only get better. Can only get, can only get. Think it over a million. No, I know that things can only get better. Let's. My name is Conrad, that's all my friend Fox, and it's the 288th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast two Americans are to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for January and February 1994, progs 872 to 875. This time, we'll finish up last episode's thrills and start a whole new slate with new adventures for Rogue Trooper, Luke Kirby, and Tyranny Rex as Dread heads south of the border, and we'll learn all about the ways of fancy reptilian royalty in Dynosity. Fair. Good response. (laughs) Morale's low on Space Spinner 2000 this week, everybody. It's too hot to read garbage. It's it's early. It's uh, mid-July 2022, and we're some warm boys unhappy at our lot in life. Yeah, it's too, it's, this is smelly garbage, too hot, and this garbage stinks. It's bad. I'm told it's only going to get hotter next week as well, Fox, although <laughs> by the time you're hearing this in the future, it might, no, it'll probably be, you'll probably be, honestly be even more killingly hot in some sort of uh, godforsaken August or something <laughs> like that. I really hope August is a reprieve. Let me double check. Let, 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 let me double check our grim futures of when this episode will be released, Fox. Christ oh, on a cross. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, early September. So hopefully it'll, it'll have cooled off. Who's to say? The shadow, I suppose. <laughs> anyway, if you want to read along with us, you'll find the comments we're covering today and Judge Red, the Complete Case Files 20, the Revere Collection, the Luke Kirby Collection, and the Judge Red Magazine 367. And with that, Fox, I say unto you, hey, Fox, you want to do some traveling? Sure. You ever you ever been to uh, South America? Uh, yeah. You ever you ever pimped around on the Pampas? <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> it's like part of the like Argentina or something. The Pampas, right? I don't know. Yeah, sure. I guess anyway, I've been to Central America is really uh, what I should say. How do you feel about sweet foods, Fox? I forget if you're into 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 sweets or not. I'm more savory, but I'll, I'll have a sweets once in a while. Yeah, I love the candies dandy if you're Conrad. That's what I say. And thus, let's get started with Thrill One, Judge Dredd. Yeah, quick aside, I've got to ruin the life of a, uh, lives of a child. They're fine. Script robot Mark Miller and Alan McKenzie and Alan McKenzie as Sonny Steelgrave. Art robot Nick Percival and Ron Smith. Letting robot Tom Frame. So it's the first time in the prog for Nick Percival, who's our first artist here. He's a 2000 AD and magazine lifer, though in the future his art will have a different look and tone, I'll say. I mean, it looks pretty good. Yeah. In my taste. He's just sort of evolved from this sort of 90s feel, I'd say. This story is called Crime Prevention and is a sort of a standard filler dread story, I'd say, Fox. Just sort of, you know, establishing some dread powers in the basic premise of the comic, essentially. Yeah, ruining a child's life. Yep. Always. 
Um, yeah. And so in Mega City One, Dredd guns down some thieves that stole an apple from the Fruit Museum. Just one of these Mark Miller, Dredd's not a cool Just dude kind of situations. Bad times. Um, elsewhere, a kid thinks about how cool Dredd is, and then that kid also thinks he wants, he always wanted to be a judge. He didn't make it in the trials when he was five, but apparently you can reapply when you're 12. Okay. So, well, yeah. Meanwhile, bring we him see, young. Exactly. We see Dredd uh, show up at like that, this kid's block and just tell people to bring out their perps, and a little girl <laughs> turns in her parents for spanking her. Real good. <laughs> at the Grand Hall of Justice, the would-be cadets are given physical and psychological scre- uh, screenings, and we, we learned that, yeah, you can't, this, you won't be, become a street judge for this, but you could probably become a judge in one of those, in like an off-world colony or something like that. Yeah. You know? Send um, them to Mars. Yeah, yeah. Like this is where Lawless comes from, I guess, as we'll see in the magazine in 20 years. The tests take an hour and seem to involve VR helmets and injections and stuff. And this kid, <laughs> Ricky Stubbs, is then taken aside by Judge Dredd. His test scores mean that not only is he not judge material, but he's going to be put in the cubes preemptively because it's only a matter of time before he does some kind of heinous crimes. 87% chance that he's going to just be bad. Pre-crime, dread style. God, but like, but then for how long? Just forever? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> put him in the cubes. He's fine. <clears throat> Get him used to it, I guess. Put him all in the cubes, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't make sense based on how they normally do things in Mega City 1. They sort of talk about the law a lot, but this is just sort of preemptive stuff that doesn't make sense. But uh, we got a slightly different tone on Dread because we got different writers. Don't worry about it too much. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of different writers, Al McKenzie is um, and uh, Ron Smith are showing up. They're in command at the start of this longer Dread story. It's called Sugar Beat and it's going to be six issues long. So uh, this one's got, yeah, again, uh, new 2080 editor, Alan McKenzie, writing under the pen name Sonny Steelgrave, and he's establishing his dread bona fides early by opening this tale with a bunch of jargon and stuff like that. You know, we got a tapper doing an ARV and dread takes him out with with, with a uh, heat seeker or, yeah, with a heat seeker bullet, that kind of stuff. Yeah, man, shot through the heart. You're to blame. And, uh, you know, tapper means like a mugger and ARV is like assault with violence and that kind of, or yeah. Armed robbery with violence, violence, that kind of stuff. Um, So yeah, Dread notices that this perp was really quick and he soon finds out why with his pockets. Yeah, and man, let me tell you, he grabs the guy's wallet, finds out his last name is Holden. Whoa! Because yeah. he's in possession of several keys of pure, uncut sugar. That's right. Call him Holden Caulfield because he's catching that <laughs> sugar rye, Fox. It's good. I don't know. <laughs> anything I can, anything to hold on. Um, but yeah, like you said, he's got a, he got pockets full of, uh, full of cash and uh, you know Bolivian marching powder sweetener, uh, sugar. You know? <laughs> it's for their coffee, you know? Yeah. White gold, Texas tea sweetener, that kind of stuff. Oh, nice. That's a Simpsons quote. But um, at the Grand Hall of Justice, Magruder says she's going to send Dread to the Pan Andes Conurb to cut off the flow of sugar into Mega City One 
from the source. And I should say, Fox, that my theory is that um, in the wake of Judgment Day, when Mega City 2 was destroyed by zombies, it's yeah. forced the Pan Andes Conurb to um, pick up this illegal sugar trade to make up the lost, um, you know, standard trade that they had with um, the much closer um, Western Mega City, that kind of stuff. Oh, interesting. So, also, might- this is kind of coming at the time of like Dare. And uh, the, the oh, war yeah. on drugs. I mean, well, well, like into it, past it, honestly, in 94, you know, I mean, yeah. that sort of just say no stuff's all mid 80s with Nancy Reagan, you know, now you got, now you got crooked Hillary in the White House, Fox. She's like <laughs> not baking cookies and doesn't have a strong opinion about uh, child Seeing her at use. the McDonald's making claims, crooked Hillary, ladies and gentlemen, can Putting you believe together it? her health care thing you know socialized medicine i don't like it fox don't care for it anyway i gotta go to the nhs be right back there's also some uh there's a little bit of tension here yeah i i i'm yeah that this is actually a big thing it's something that's been going on a ton in the magazine but i think it's the first time we're really seeing it here in the progs yeah, hasn't this is the first time I'm like, what the fuck? What's yeah, going yeah. on? Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, since Necropolis, Dredd and, and Magruder have been pretty lockstep. Um, but basically, in the magazine, we, we, we've had an ongoing plot line where, you know, because the judges' ranks have been depleted, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's been all these apocalypses and very little time to recover from them, especially since, you know, it takes 15 years to train a judge, many applicants get locked up because of pre-crime reasons, all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> Magruder basically had some tech boffins create a mechanismo, a AI-powered Ooh. robo-judge. Uh-oh. That's, as he's I'm sure, robo-racist. That's right. As I'm sure you know, a defining character of Judge Dredd is that he's robo-racist. Hates those robots. Yeah, Big-time robo-racist. So... At the end of, actually very recently, at the end of 93, um, basically, they made the, sorry, I'll, I'll recap quickly. They made these the, these robot judges. Of course, they went rogue, as you do, and Dredd um, helped take them down. Then one came back to life and escaped. It was mechanismo number five, so sort of a short circuit reference, which I'm sure you'll appreciate. Um, yeah. But then that one got loose and to take it out, Magruder brought up a bunch of the uh, of the Mark II mechanismos to take out, <laughs> you know, the Mark II robo judges to take down the previous robo judge, send a send a thief to kill a thief, etc. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool yeah. me twice, shame on bot. So I'll tell you that Dread actually took out both of those judges, like Mechanismo Two did the kill shot on the Mark, or the Mark II did a kill shot in the Mark One, but then Dread shot that droid and sort of made it look like they killed each other at the same time and were ineffective. Ooh, you sneaky boy. That's right, Dread himself breaking the law to prevent a greater travesty of no good robots enforcing the law, you know? I mean, I, he has had a lot of very <laughs> specific robot mayhem in his lifetime. He's, his, fe- his fears and hatred are not without cause. Fox, I'll say that. <laughs> but you know, you got to give people, you got to give robots a chance. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, but so this is this will, uh, you know, we we've seen it there. We're seeing it here. Long term tension building between Dread Magruder. That's going to become more pronounced as time goes by. I just feel like you got to make calls as chief judge that 
you know, it, yeah, Judge Dredd is has pedigree mind, but he's not on like the small council. He's not. He doesn't have to think about these the greater implications of I things. Mean, you know, I think we've talked about this before, but listen, yes, Judge Dredd, he may not be on the Council of Five, but he has personally killed two of the last five chief judges. <laughs> so be careful, I guess. <laughs> so you know. He's got a he's got a say in an unofficial capacity because <laughs> no. he's done some assassinating, you know, or he I guess assass- overthrows of dictatorships, yeah. right? Well, I mean that's what they that's what they call it when you win, Fox. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that that is the difference that 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 victory makes. But anyway, okay, speaking here we go. Of, speaking of sending a foreign agent into uh, a South American um, government. <laughs> Ugh. So dreads off. He arrives at the Pan Am at the Pan Andes Conurb, which I'm calling the Paku in my notes because that's a lot of words, Fox. And <laughs> from what my research, it's sort of built in, sort of based in like Bolivia, sort of to the Pacific Coast, basically, and possibly also spanning all the way across the Atlantic as well, sort of in a belt across the middle of South America. Cool. Um, but yeah. Anyway, he's here, and man, everybody's just a stereotype with Speedy Gonzalez accents, basically. Yeah. Not great. They really go for, it's not even low-hanging fruit, it's the fruit that's rotting on the ground and full of wasps. Yes, yes, this is not, like, these guys, uh, like, I'm not happy with the art here either, because it's pretty racist as well, just even beyond the characterization. They go go off the rails, and, you know... As as somebody humbly from California, you know, yes, this feels like this feels like the kind of thing you do because you have experienced no Hispanic people or maybe just <laughs> vaguely, <laughs> vaguely bumped into them when you go to Tenerife, as we'll talk about later in the episode, I guess. Oh, God. But not cool. Anyway, um, flies buzz around Dredd's head as the lazy local judges in green uniforms with silver shoulder eagles and helmets that have some Aztec styling. Refuse cool. to give him a ride to headquarters and then laugh in his face. Oh, no. But there's so, like a hawk flies behind his head or some shit. It's like yeah. real weird. There's a lot of kind of Mesoamerican imagery mm. going on here. So Justice, That I do like. Yeah. Justice Central for the Paku is a golden stepped pyramid Aztec style surrounded by starving beggars. Dread walks in and the interior is just full of various judges kicking the crap out of the populace. <laughs> Which, Jesus Christ. I mean, I guess that's not that different. I mean, yeah, it's tough. Like, because a lot of these things are things that you have to imagine are also happening in Mega City 1, but are, are they not... They just don't do it in the entry hall. Right, or just not shown to us because of how we're trying to represent Dread versus how we're trying to represent other characters, you know? Correct. <laughs> but um, he goes to the front desk and asks to see the chief judge, but the chief doesn't have time today. So Dredd decides to go investigate himself, heading down to the docks, um, where despite and also some, yeah. also the the dude who's at like the desk, like the, mm-hmm. he's the he's the sergeant at the desk or whatever. Really, just could you make the man look more evil? <laughs> Absolutely, especially because after he sort of vaguely threatens Dredd's health when Dredd walks off, he then sort of secretly talks into a microphone in the, um, you know, sneaky brackets of not talking English, you know, talking. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, here we go. Yeah, it's the translation. Yeah, bad times. Fox. Um, but so Dredd's heading down to the docks. 
And there he finds a bar and starts asking very direct questions about the sugar trade. <laughs> like, where's the boat? Which, you know, not every <laughs> sailor knows where the sugar is coming from. You'd think so, yeah. And then he gets attacked by a big sailor with tiger stripe tattoos and a hook hand. And this bar devolves fight. into a massive bar fight as locals pull knives and attack Dread on mass. Fucking bar, fucking bar fight, bro. Bar man, fight. Yeah, man in the back said everyone attack, Fox. It's good times. Beautiful. Dread dodges among the townsfolk as they turn on each other, and Jesus, a man with sort of a shortened Salvador Dali mustache, goes to smash Dread with a piano he lifts up over his head, but Dread dodges it. <laughs> this is after like some like a lady gets whacked in the mouth and then another guy punches that guy yeah. in the mouth. Well she yeah, she tries to hit Dread, but she accidentally hits someone else and then someone oh, else right. hits her and stuff like that. Yeah, it's all confusing. Indeed, you know, fog of war. Um, Dread then punches Jesus out the side of the bar onto the street and then down onto the st- onto the water side where he then dips Jesus's head into the incredibly polluted water of the Black Pacific to torture him into giving up the name of the sugar ship. We see sort of boils instantly rising oh, up on his face and stuff. It's real gross. And the ship, the crazy Julio Ingracius. Ingracius? Something like that. Yeah. Because I feel like Iglesias. it's yeah, because it wants to be rhyming with Julio and Glacius, but it's got it says Ingracius, which whatever, yeah, which I guess means something. Thank you. Anyway, many of the panels in this issue, especially, are real big. Like, there's a couple pages of just like four panels to a page, basically. And oh, like, yeah. I'm a sucker for Ron Smith's art. It's great, but it also means there's it's- very little story boat. Sto- <laughs> there's very little meat on these bones for recapping, basically. Oh, yeah. Just there's punching. Absolutely. Yeah. Next time, a shot across the bows. Oh, because like like a boat, like you're shooting a shooting a cannon across the bows. Of the That's boat. right. I said across your nose, not up at Fox. Gross. Spaceballs. And speaking of ballsers, Fox. I mean, we don't have to. Yep. Thrill two. Oh, sorry. Thrill two. Big Dave. Script robot Dave. Grant Morrison and Mark Miller. Art robot Anthony Williams and Gina Hartletting. Robot any Parkhouse. I hate Big Dave. He and Balzer <laughs> fight their way across Tenerife, arriving at Mount T-Day, where they fight in the lava. There's some incidental racism. A Japanese tourist and Dave wins. He tosses his unhelpful girlfriend into the pool and claims Tenerife in the name of England. Big Dave will return in September. Thrill three, Soul Gun Warrior. <laughs> Go for it, buddy. Scripture about uh, Shaky Kane and Shaky 2000. I'm just, I'm done with Big Dave. Uh, let her go about Steve Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Fuck Big Dave. Yeah. Sogun Warrior in an alternate astral, in an alternate reality, astral projecting by way of gunshot to the face. Sogun Warrior Kim West is fighting the ghost of Yuri Gagarin to protect the American space shuttle as the president of the United States, the head of the CIA, and Robert Oppenheimer look on. They trade communist and capitalist catchphrases as they punch. I like one where Kim says, uh, don't underestimate the U.S.'s peaceful ways. I assure you we'll fight to our last conscript. That's pretty good. Jesus. <laughs> Kim then flies back to reality, or West then flies back to reality, and it seems that when he shoots an energy blast sort of between the two worlds, that makes it more powerful, which allows him to stun Gagarin and then create an astral zipper that he uses to close right. the, the gateway, trapping him. Whatever. I don't know. 
Um, anyway, Kim West sold two souls his way back home, Fox. Oh, God. That's when you go, back to life, life, back back to reality. Because that band's called Soul to Soul. You see, I'm... Okay. I didn't know that. The two is a Roman numeral two, Fox. Oh, wow. That's business. Alternately, it's Soul, I-I, Soul. That's also possible. Oh, it would be pronounced E. Finally. Anyway, Kim West is congratulated by Oppenheimer and the president. Good times. Soul Gun Warrior will return in I, December of this year. I guess year. he's got six remaining souls. I don't really understand. Dumb. It's dumb. I, I could give a shit. Presumably, he's got one for each. He had his first one and then one for each bullet in the... Uh, in this, in the what you, whatever you call it, the, Are the you thing, fucking, the bullets of the no, revolver. Fuck, fuck, that's dumb. Hundred <laughs> percent. What? I'm not saying it's not dumb. I agree that it's dumb. Dumb as God. shit, buddy. Fuck this. <laughs> fuck the first. Fuck this comic, buddy. I'm done with this podcast. God, already. It only I'm took gonna, us to the nineties. I'm going to do fucking a podcast about a comic that makes sense. You know, we're going to do. Yeah. Gonna, gonna do Cerebus and talk about misogyny. It's gonna be great, Fox. What? Oh what man, fuck? awesome, fucking great, great. Drill for Mother Earth. <laughs> Script robot Birdie J. Art robot Cliff Robinson. Cox and Company. Letting robot Ellie Deville. Those jerk kids run through the halls of Parliament, blasting as they go. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mother Earth is floating some Parliament members around, showing them just some dangerous effects of global warming. There's like a tidal wave and a wind storm kind of thing. I mean, I just say like, you've got all this technology. Help us out. Why do we got to pass policy? <laughs> And again, the policies are just sort of curbing some CFC emissions. Whoa, like not even like not ban, even not even like ban cars. You know, or like no more plastic ever. Yeah, like you know this this sci-fi Avenger from beyond time and space. She's coming, and she's got just some very basic liberal policies. Yes, no, for all of your plastic things. must be BPA free. Ooh, have you heard of Meatless Mondays, kids? That kind of stuff. Oh God. Which again, not against any of that stuff, Fox. But I'm also saying that man, she killed a bunch of, of uh, chemical company execs. I was expecting, <laughs> I was expecting more, more drastic, burn. more drastic uh, changes. I guess. Anyway, the SES burn burst in, and it looks like the kids have been arrested, have taken off their super suits, and have been arrested and taken away. No, uh, I mean they're not they, going to get arrested. Yeah, they teleport out of the wagon, and Mother Earth serves champagne at her underground base. I guess they're in it for the long haul now, and I guess it's better than stacking shelves or something. I'll drink mm. to that and recycle the cans, Fox. Including, Only by dolphin yeah, safe tuna. Gotta close the loop. The end forever of Mother Earth. Oh, good. Okay, next. Finally, some decent stuff. This is my uh, one of the icebergs I'm clinging to, Fox. Thrill yeah, five. Revere. Script robot John Smith, art robot Simon Harrison, letting robot Jack Potter. Oh man. Getting into this, I can't recommend highly enough that you check out the, the collection for Revere. Oh, yeah. Oh, a lot God. of this stuff. It, yeah. It's got to be amazing to read Revere from start to very finish. And I'd also say I'm, I, I don't have the collection, 
but I bet the collection looks a lot better than the version that we're seeing from Scan Prog's Fox as well. well. Certainly, just because so often these scanners really turn these pages muddy and indistinct, you know. Mm-hmm. So I really say check it out. My words can't really do it justice, but I'll try it out at the yeah, Lanzer. The, the floor yeah, is yours. <laughs> do my best at the Lanzer base. The troops open fire on Revere who has recovered the head of his mother and after going on a vision quest to learn that he will end the world and all consciousness. In a cloud of black butterflies, he teleports to the roof of the base and then flies off into the night sky, the city of London lit up like a birthday cake below him. He heads to a, uh, a lake of water, the to a source of water, the Rainmaker's Circle. Um, I think this might be uh, like... Where Buttersea, sorry, where Battersea Park is now, it looks like it's been turned into a big reservoir, I guess. They sort of, it says, there's a sign that says Battersea Reclamation. Uh, he flies into the, he, he, he flies directly into the water and he, and there's a massive explosion and a huge water spout reaching up into the sky, which then turns into a cyclone. The water rises and the panels of the comic grow very thin, alternating between red and white tones. As all over the world, a rain falls, obliterating and uniting the consciousness of all living things. For a moment, we sort of, we look in on Revere experiencing this. Souls uniting, all identity becoming one. I'm your, he's being taken apart. Until they all collapse into the soul sea around the Hierophant, where the whales have at last stopped singing, and they're all taken home to a space beyond time. There we see the souls of Revere and Chloe intertwined, the black and white halves of a yin-yang made of human beings of star stuff. They talk to each other, they're together at last, but don't worry, this will never end. Let's do it again. Communion in perpetuum. The end of Revere. Man, so cool. So beautiful. Like that Absolutely. Whole end was just so beautiful. I love the, just the giddy of like, oh, that's like how we end. That's how we do. Like, yeah, that's how that's how it ends this time. But let's do it again. You know, yeah. there's always, always time for it. God. So, so absolutely wonderful. I know Revere shows up Ugh. again in the pages of Indigo Prime pretty recently, actually, like like in the in the in the 2020s. But this is the end of his story directly, you know. Okay. And the beginning, I okay. guess. You know. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> get get the collection. Yeah, and I'll try to put out. I'm sure this is one that's definitely high on my list to do a a collection episode about as well. So okay. All right. That's all of our stuff from the first Prague that we've talked about, Fox. Christ on a cross. Now let's get to the rest of it. But first, pause for a moment for some non-thrills, covers, and nerve setters. Uh, sure, why not? I'll, right. I'll, uh, I'll allow it. Thanks, buddy. Progate 72, so you want to be a judge? Dread supervises a kid in a cyber helmet, and he's just 100% chin and shoulder pads in this Nick first will cover. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's 90% of his body. <laughs> In the nerve center, Tharg tells us that everybody loves these current thrills, all of them, but Ugh. it's time to start some new ones next, Prague. And we learned that a fire kind is one best weekly strip of 1993 at the Comics Damn. Creator Guild Awards. 
Yeah, it did pretty well at the the Spinnies as well. Although I wonder at this point if Weekly Comic Strip is just sort of like the 2000 AD Memorial Award. Like if that's just for different 2000 AD comics and they don't compete so (laughs) that they don't have to compete against the bigger American brands and stuff like that. Oh. Maybe DC Thompson's out there too. I don't know. Um, There's also a lot of coverage for the upcoming Shakey's Beyond Belief feature, which we'll talk about shortly. The input page is a picture of Judge Drag, complete with lipstick and platform Love shoes. That. Yeah. Love it for them. Uh, letters, one of them by friend of the show, Alan Holloway, compliment cannon fodder, ask for more Maniac 5, and there's some questions about Dredd's personal timeline. And then there's some calls, some call-outs of references to famous bands, Mega City One Graffiti, which are definitely out there. Just these cool. people shouting out Rage Against the Machine and Pop Will Kill Itself and stuff like that. On the walls of Mega City One, kind of like someone nowadays, like drawing a big ass like Beethoven thing on the side Whoa. of okay. a building, because it's like you know it's music from 200 years ago to them, you know, or 112 and 20 years ago. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? I guess that's not Beethoven, but you know what I mean. Sort of class, <laughs> old classical uh, thingamajigs. Anyway. The prog ends with the preview images for the upcoming thrills, which again, we'll talk about after this section. Prog 873, it's relaunch time. So we got a big montage cut with all the characters in this prog stories. Plus there's a free 2080 logo badge for you to keep. Okay, cool. Now you have my attention. And this prog is officially the handover from Richard Burton to Alan McKenzie. And I'll mention that to commemorate that uh, McKenzie will, is writing three thrills this prog, uh, Dread, Ugh. Rogue Trooper, and Luke Kirby. On the input page is a picture of Judge Pat, the post-judge. Letter at, letters ask who does Dread's dry cleaning, like in the wake of him falling into that big vat of guts in uh, Book oh, of the Dead yeah. and stuffed. Um, there's some continuity problems with cannon fodder, the demand for more free posters, which is mostly there because there's going to be a free poster in 874. <laughs> gotta, um, gotta keep them, keep them hype. Yeah. And then compliment for recent par- progs and Tharg gene- uh, generally. Then the prog ends with Shaky's Beyond Belief, which is just sort of a single page of silly made up factoids in the style of the long running Ripley's Believe It or Not comic strip. Are you familiar with right. that one, Fox? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's sort of a second tier newspaper strip, I'd say. Like, yeah. If your city has a really big newspaper se- or a comic section in the newspaper, it might be in there. Though I don't think many news, many city newspapers have those these days. <laughs> no. But they have weird pictures and random factoids and stuff like that. Um, in this case, we learned that a diamond ring was found in a Kinder Egg. Computer games actually control cruise missiles. Then someone sent in a mushroom cloud shaped mushroom and there was an award winning yogi that died 12 hours into a a 15 week meditation marathon. Okay. 874 Ron Smith draws this dread cover, the lawman in front of a bunch of dread comic strips. I'm not sure I've mentioned this before Fox, but in this one you can really see how Smith draws Dredd's helmet to always have like these furrowed, angry eye, uh, eyebrows yeah. on it. <laughs> like they're molded into the uh, always, into the metal always of, stern, of, always yeah, angry of the of, of the helmet, you know. And like, listen, I know this is dumb, 
you know <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's also cool yeah it's also cool it makes no less sense than when like spider-man's eyes would narrow in the comics you know yeah like, in the 60s when he did that he didn't have none those tony stark idealies that he's got in the movies no way yeah, he just, exactly. they just drew him that way for to give him character and like Honestly, if Dredd's helmet and all Judge helmets were molded to have them always have furrowed brows, I would I mean, accept it. They don't smile very much, you know? No. It would actually it would double down on, I am a very, I, you don't want to be talking to me. It's not like he needs non-furrowed brow <laughs> emotions, Fox. He doesn't. Exactly. <laughs> um, so this issue came with a poster of Friday by uh, Chris Weston. And Tharg plugs a slate of both upcoming poster progs and free gifts in the magazine. Mid-prog, there's an ad for the Batman comic where we see Batgirl facing off against Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. Ooh. Um, I do that rawr. I, I do that the growling sound if I could actually make that sound, but I can't find it. Exactly. Um, and then there's a French cuisine-inspired ad for 2000 AD. Bon appetit. Thrill Betty is a down. Okay. Um, there's some nice Revere fan art in the input page and letters compliment um, Revere, Shaky Kane, and other recent thrills. And some big time dissing of Big Dave, which I'm always in favor of. <laughs> Is the most pathetic, stupid, boring, irritating, mindless drivel. <laughs> the Beyond Belief page has a... Uh, that says that in Japan, a fully extended stretch Armstrong is a unit of measure, which I think is kind of funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, Dread's been banned in the United States for telling the future. There's a pop star in India that is also worshipped as a goddess. In uh, There are cat heads being used to like light the way uh. on uh, nighttime cities, which I don't like. And someone from Wales is sent in a uh, severed human arm. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, okay, Prog 874, Paul Marshall draws Tyranny Rex looking styling and shooting guns in the heart of the city. She's doing that thing with her trench coat where she's like got it over her shoulder and held on by a couple fingers, you know, very Mm -hmm. nice. Showing that back. Hey, Zarjaz Valentine's Day to you all, Fox. Okay, thanks. Anyway, in the nerve center, you know Alan McKenzie's in charge because the mix column's back. We're going to talk about these dance tracks. Also, you know, more feature pages coming, including more Dread Film updates. There's a plug for a comic art workshop in Liverpool and 2080 trading cards in Best of 2080 Monthly. Then we get to the mix column. I've heard of none of these bands, but I will say yeah, I that. Uh, yeah, but if you're interested so far on the show this year, Fox, our opening songs have been a reggae cover of the uh, Beatles song Twist and Shout. Nice. And a dance song by a band called D colon Ream, which I refuse Whoa. to pronounce as Dream. I refuse <laughs> to do it. That band is D D colon Dream. That's beautiful. Also, also in Big Meg One next week, I'll spoil everybody and let you know that we're going to be rocking out to Pearl Jam's Daughter Fox. Oh Ooh. man, sounds of the youth of Conrad. Don't call me daughter. Anyway, in the ner- in the input page is a picture of Dread <laughs> kicking the ass of Robocop. He's in Hollywood now. Letters defend the quality of Timehouse. Wrong. At Dis Big yeah. Dave and Soul Gun Warrior. Fine. 
and suggest B-movie martial arts legend Cynthia Rothrock to play Judge Anderson in the movie. Oh, Cynthia Rothrock. Uh, she's a she's a, a American uh, like karate expert. Yeah, she's a, she. Yeah, some kind of. I mean, I just know. I I remember I saw one of those uh, red letter media movies. Um, that oh, yeah, she showed yeah, up yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they talked just a bunch about you know her career as an ass kicking lady in Hollywood, and based, you know she was a martial artist, and there's a bunch of these ridiculous like you know canon um, like oh, B movies. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that after after her because <laughs> she was like she was an award or uh, sorry yeah. a, a medalist and all this other stuff, and I don't think her career. In movies really went anywhere. But. I know she was in one fight where this dude gets knocked into this hook that's on a conveyor belt. <laughs> Which is always a good thing. And then he just gets lifted up into the air <laughs> by this hook that's lodged into his eye socket, Fox. <laughs> and lo- it's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm not going to lie to oh, you. It's so great. Like, oh, see- man. Seek it out, buddy, just in terms of this gotta, sort of like gross out watch, canon I shit. I got to watch you know? those old le- red letter medias. Yeah, it's good. I think it was, yeah, I think it was the best of the worst, I'm pretty sure wonderful that's even better there's some um, gold in those hills absolutely i feel like uh like low-key i will i will tell the audience that i feel like i feel like a long friday night and saturday morning watching just a marathon of those shows is how oh yeah fox, is oh. how fox and i became friends basically yeah red, red letter media if you haven't ever heard of them you should go check them out on youtube they best of the worst you know they they find contrived ways to watch like several yeah bad movies and then rate them <laughs> which one yeah. is the best of the worst yeah i'd say that's my favorite show but definitely one that i just like it's got a lot of good memories for me fox just because it's how oh, yeah it's how i made my best friend oh yeah, buddy baby anyway <laughs> cynthia rothrock is joe janerson i think she'd be a better hershey because she, she's an ass yes. kicker but yes. i must say like i do also like diane lane's casting in the in the first dread film mm-hmm the Prague ends with a pinup of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, art by Mike Hadley of Dread with a big old gun having slaughtered an entire Star Wars cantina of humans and aliens. God. The name, of course, is a reference to the St. Valentine's Day, Ma- Valentine's Day Massacre, the Chicago mob shooting of 1929, and later, the ni- in the future, the 1999 uh, wrestling pay-per-view out of Memphis, where the big show <laughs> Paul White made his WWF uh, debut. All right. <laughs> well, well, it's the big show. Wow. <laughs> anyway, speaking of the big show, Fox, let's get started with the rest of our thrills as we go to Thrill 6, Luke Kirby. Sympathy for the devil, Luke Kirby, watch out your dad. Allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of thrills and progs. <laughs> Jesus. Pleased to meet you. Won't you podcast my name? Start. <laughs> Script robot Alan McKenzie, art robot Steve Har- Steve Parkhouse, Nick Abidzis, and Gina Hart, letting robot Steve Parkhouse. So new art team for Luke Kirby here. I'm going to assume Parkhouse is penciling, Abidzis is inking, and Hart is coloring, and then Parkhouse is coming back to get that second check by doing his own lettering. Hell yeah. I mean, it looks pretty good overall. Yeah. I think it's okay, but man, you know, John Ridgway is such, you know, he's oh, the acknowledged yeah. master of the terrified face, of drawing the terrified faces of children. Oh, yeah. 
And so anyone else is only an, an, an <laughs> imitation, <laughs> you know? Children, yeah. Yeah, you can only, listen, when you've got the master, you know, everyone can only be second place. Just know? adding black circles around their eyes doesn't show horror. I want to see terror, terror yeah. in the children's faces on the streets. Like, oh anyway. my God, it, this old man is actually a dove monster. Oh no, that scarred dude's actually Judge Dredd. I'm freaking out. Uh. Anyway, it's December 1963, and Luke Kirby is back at that house from Summer Magic, <coughs> reflecting on the year and a half he's had since learning about his mystical abilities and maybe some other things that I'll get in trouble on the internet if I talk about it yeah, too much. I mean, well, listen, they can they can stuff it. Our, mm. It's our opinions, trademark. Yeah. He hears a ghostly voice and is drawn out to the forest in the darkness and like his bathrobe and stuff and finds his own Faja smoking a pipe. Yeah, and he's like, they're nasty things, but hey, I like them. That's right. And again, we learn the story is called Sympathy for the Devil and we cut to Luke in school dreaming and then being yelled at by his teacher. The other kids give him a hard time for this while his nerd friends are a bit nicer. But Luke is clearly freaked out by his dream. What dumbass children make fun of you for falling asleep in class? I feel kids like don't make it's, fun of you for anything, buddy. That's what that, they do. That's you know, that's fair. I just think like, you know, could try a little harder there. Spud. All these all these kids in nineteen sixty three, all these fucking boomers not giving anybody a second's peace, Fox. Come on. Yeah, yeah, I know. God forbid that we put some avocado on our toast for a second. They don't even know what avocado is yet, but they hate it and its lack of home buying potential. <laughs> Um. Yeah, they're freaked. Yeah, Luke's freaked out. They head to a local candy and cigarette store to get some candy. In this case, and a young man sells them exactly the candy they want without him telling them, and gives <laughs> Luke a box of candy to give to his mum from Old Jackie Boy. And of course, he knew Luke's name without that being said either. Very you know, weird. FYI, these are all red alarms. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This is a this candy store also sells. Red flags, Fox. This is easily <laughs> DEFCON 1. Luke is disturbed by this, and when he gets home, he gives the candy to his mom, but she doesn't know any nephew of that shop owner. Anyway, we're headed out of town. Yeah, let's uh, let's get the hell out of here. We're just, you know, <laughs> was that planned? I guess so. Yeah, no, because it looks like because they're, they're going to her sister's place for, for Christmas, Oh, right, I guess. yeah. I forgot. There's got to be some incest. Luke and his mom, speaking of, yeah, arrive in the town of Lundstedt by train and are greeted by Luke's cousin Kim and the two kids flirt via card readings, though Luke sees Kim's future. It involves a terrible car wreck, but he lies to her about this. They kiss like a pair of Pornhub step siblings, but (laughs) that night Luke sees his father again, and this time he says he's stuck in hell and his time is running out and he's become incredibly like gaunt and fucked up and says that Luke must come to the lowest level of hell and free his soul from the Sumerian demon that's got it. Lots of jokes what? about this demon having an impronounceable Sumerian name in the course of this story. So first off, if I ever saw my gaunt father get sucked through a fucking like, I don't know, a mirror or something yeah, and then some tell me s- I've got to go to the pits of hell, I'd be like, I mean, but dad... Yeah, sorry, buddy. Yeah, some some hand some hairy hands pull come out of a doorway and pull him into the vert into the title sequence of the movie Vertigo, as he says. Come I mean, you me. just there's just no way to know that that's not just an elaborate trap. So, Absolutely, yeah. I, like 
you know, my father gave me more common sense than that. I'm sorry. Apparently not. Yeah, maybe your father did, but not Luke Kirby's dad. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so, he was an absentee father. Unequipped to handle the situations to come, it seems. Oh, no, his father was dead, right? Like, he didn't leave. Well, here's the deal, Fox. I don't know if you remember last year we had, a, we had a quick, like, two-page Luke Kirby story. Or maybe one or two, one or two prog Luke Kirby story where we saw Luke and Uncle or Luke's dad and Uncle Elias sort of watching these like small town Satanists like doing a fucking oh this is vaguely kind of ritual in the forest and they were kind of making fun of them for being amateurs and stuff. But then (laughs) after that, in the goddamn annual, we see Luke's dad go to confront those Satanists. And in the process, a gateway to hell was opened and a big Minotaur type dude popped out of a fiery gateway, grabbed Luke's dad and fucked off back to hell. Wait, so he went to Greek hell? Sumerian hell. I guess all demons well, are Sumerian. That's sort of an exorcist no, inspired a minotaur, thing. Isn't he in the, the fucking? Well, maybe not an actual minotaur, but like a, a hairy dude with horns. It might not have actually been <laughs> like a like a from Crete like result of Zeus turn into a into a bull to fuck your wife minotaur. But it was Which, a it was a minotaur like creature, buddy. All right. Well, thanks, ancient Sumer. Thanks for putting this plot essential shit in the annual, guys. Come on. I hate you so much. (laughs) Well, don't worry, because he's soon going to talk to a random vagrant. God, the the amount of vagrants that this child has the propensity to talk to. Also, all aboard my hell train. (laughs) Hey, is he a lady? Because he's dealing with these tramps, buddy. Oh, my God. (laughs) He's going to do that spaghetti spaghetti. thing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Mom's spaghetti. Get a romant, be sung romantically by a bunch of a ta- by a bunch of restaurant owners that just like to watch dogs fuck. I guess. <laughs> Why would they do that? You, you, and they break out the mandolin and everything. They yeah. really are juicing the pot. That's got to be. They've got to have like a running bet, or it is a very big sex thing. I think it's just that like these are the kind of guys that like. You know, when YouTube existed, you could just like <laughs> safely find videos of animals of animals doing it without even having to turn on safe search. They really changed their lives in a very in a, in a serious way, possibly not. I a mean, good they way. were able to focus more on their restaurant touring. I'm sure. I don't know if that's true, Fox. Especially when you get that Tui more <laughs> mixed in there as well. <laughs> What a fuck! What a fucking aside! What's going on? This show's off the rails. I mean, Fox. It, we're talking about sympathy for the devil. There's a hell train at the end of this. Like, we give are me a break. Indeed, off the rails of a crazy train, Fox. <laughs> anyway, Luke calls for his dad, and his mom arrives and tells him not to worry because his father is safe and in heaven. And Luke is not convinced of this fact. Later, we see him walk in the Christmassy streets of Lundstedt, and I've come to enjoy small-town England decorating the streets yeah. and stuff like that. I think that's a fun thing. And he's bored enough or enough of a nerd that he goes to see the Glasgow <laughs> Express every day, and the, <laughs> the conductors know him. They don't even charge him a fee or anything. Like, pick your life, buddy. He, he gives some oh, money. he's super into trains. He's going to be He's gonna be one of those, uh, he's going to be, well, there's your problem podcaster in the future. It's a big grown-up model train set guy these days, you know. Oh, he gives yeah, money no. oh, to he's a beggar. Get the train simulator off of Steam and buy all those um, DLCs. Ooh, two thousand dollars worth of DLC, man. That's the life. It's that's. I mean, 
don't have to get that big ass setup. You can make your own world. I, the only way I can do it is complete, Fox. It's the only. Anyway, he passes a beggar and he gives him some money or something like that. Tells him to get a job because he's an asshole kid. Um, and the beggar guy says he's got a job or he would get a job, but he's too busy experiencing the different damnation of an infinite hell of the infinite yeah, hell. Okay, not. Luke. Yeah, like, he, clearly he's not though unless his his version of hell is a kid telling him to get a job i mean that is i feel like a discreet for a discreet form of hell yes <laughs> you get five minutes and the kid's gonna tell you your shit yeah anyway this guy knows luke's name and that's not cool and is apparently also the guy from that candy shop but he's got a much worse haircut now yeah i mean he's it's like the unicorn cut. Yeah, like he's got kind of a yeah. It's a uh, yeah ponytail a, in the back and a tuft in front. A unullet, I guess, like uh, yeah, a unicorn mullet. Yeah, unicorn in the front, party in the back. <laughs> anyway, they go to the train station. The man drops some dorm logic on him about how listen, man. Actually, actually, the. The, the jailers, the prisoners are actually the jailers of the actual jailers because they can leave prison, actually, but the jailers work at the prison, so they got to stay. They're trapped in there all the time, man. Oh, my God. No, they don't. They go home. And no, man. They're held, in, they're held in bondage at the prison just as much as the prisoners themselves. Anyway, so it is. I bet the devil feels like that in hell as well, hint, hint. Oh, God. And apparently he needs to actually say hint, hint, because then Luke demands who this Joker is. And he explains <laughs> by quoting that Rolling Stones song, Sympathy for the Devil, Fox. Oh, my God. He gets deep into it, too. Like, he does, like, the, he gets, like, the Pompeii parts about of it, you know? Like, I think he only stops because that song's from 1968 and has spoilers for the Kennedy assassination in the next line. You know, that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Oh, wait, no, it would have just happened in December 1990 or December 63. But still, like, you know, Jesus Christ. the conspiracy theories hadn't really started yet. You know, it was very early days for that. Um, anyway. <laughs> that was a very good synopsis of this fucking 2D character. <laughs> call Anyway, call him Jack for now. And he's going to help Luke find his dad and bring him out of hell with the aid of this sweet giant hell train that just pulled up all aboard. <laughs> I mean, we know what's going on here. A, a devil demon, evil devil wants to fucking backpack onto Luke Kirby, my man. That's that's the plot, right? Did I get dun, it right? Dun, 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 dun. I, I, I. <laughs> get you, this is a good answer. That's, yeah, obviously. That's my, that's, my, that's my lock of the week. <laughs> yes, 100%. This guy's a devil who's going to take Luke into hell ostensibly to steal his, to, to save his father, but actually just to get fucked over by demons in hell. That's how you do it. Yeah, man. Got to backpack up on this uh, magic child. And I'll say that for every prog that Luke doesn't realize that this guy is the devil as he drops real obvious hints, <laughs> the dumber he looks. He's got to figure this out fast, Fox. I... I I mean, he's a magic boy, right? Should be a smarter magic boy, Fox. Don't I care. I fucking completely agree. For the dumb magic boy. God damn it. <laughs> Luke anyway. Kirby, dumb magic boy. <laughs> dumb magic boy. <laughs> but speaking of a magic lady, Fox. Hell yeah. 
From beyond the stars, the sweet-ass tail, and some big guns, it's Thrill 7 Tyranny Rex. She is. She stole my heart. Yeah, no, this is what I'm looking forward to in the prog these days, Fox. It's the only one. Yeah. <laughs> Script yeah. robot John Smith, art robot Paul Marshall, and Gina Hartlighting robot Alita Hell, or Alita Fell, I should say. Previously, Tyranny Rex was a mercenary modern artist, and then she gave that up to become a sci-fi nun. Then the nunnery was attacked by the Damamites, who are these sort of, uh, you know libertine crusader types going after a sacred relic, the god skin of Moendel Shathir. All seemed lost, so tyranny was returned against her will to her badass former self and sent to Earth to find the one thing that can save them, the Deus Machina, to fi- which will fix things. And in doing so, she unknowingly brought the spirit of, of a murdered psychonaut, Ferdinand de Richelieu, as well. Yep. Good times. Anyhow, Tyranny is warped onto the roof of Earth in the year 2177 and can't currently move. Presumably, she's right next to um, where, like, Doctor Strange shows up on, the roof, on that same rooftop in uh, Multiverse of Madness and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and But she's been picked up by a quartet of flying robot Elvis heads. Speaking of other yeah. films coming out in 2022, I guess. Real weird. <laughs> But before, and they like actually pick her up and start flying off, singing various Elvis songs as they go. But before they can get too far, a glowing ball of energy shows up and blows them all away. Hell yeah. Tyranny falls to the street and there's a street sign that says K West on it. Kanye. Well, yeah, but also possibly Kim West, the Soul Gun Warrior. It's a weird little crossover thing. Weird. And I think Kanye West still still waiting, still probably <laughs> on his way to college to then drop out of it, I think. Yeah. You know, not not quite at the part where he's met any gold diggers and so forth. Or uh, or become the voice of a generation. And then reject being that voice and then get real real crazy. Yeah, get, get real Looney Tunes. Woo! Anyway. <laughs> Okay, West, blah, blah, blah. Eventually, Tyranny wakes up with the hangover, ass over tea kettle, and the energy ball, which is Richelieu's spirit, explains his backstory, and Tyranny asks for some info about the Damamite boss as well. It turns out they're being led by someone named Reverend Gabriel Hayes, a tyrant my priest. Favorite, my yeah. favorite person ever, Reverend Gabriel Hayes. I definitely think there's a lot of overlap between sort of these bad guys and the bad guys from Firekind Fox. If I had one complaint, oh, yeah. it's that oh, I feel yeah. like there's some some Venn diagrams going on between these two different groups of baddies. Um, but yeah, Tyrant Priest scourges the Western world. He doesn't know, uh, Richelieu doesn't know what the Godskin will be used for. Didn't even know it existed until recently. Anyway, the two decide to uh, team up and... On, and Tyranny admits that she doesn't really know yeah, how to find. Yeah, where the fuck am I supposed to go? Yeah, her mission brief was very light on details, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, just start the Deus Ex Machina, please. One of my one of my favorite things in the in the first Mass Effect game, Fox, mm-hmm. was when you become um what is it, what's the job? You know, when what, when you become a space like, cop. Arc, Archon, Super Archon. No, no, no. Like, like, like when when the council just indemnifies you as a space cop. Oh yeah, you're now the super space cop. Yeah, one of the dialogue options during the ceremony is like, you got any leads? And like during the swelling music of the induction ceremony, they also like say, "Oh yeah, talk to that guy." <laughs> <You know? laughs> I appreciate the prosaicness. Um, 
Anyway, they got to find these details, so they do the standard thing, which is mug a dude who turns out to be a cyborg with a built-in data port and use him to access the internet. Which she does by putting the wires to her ear? Yeah, well, it's like a radio internet, I guess. Um, <laughs> but it seems Earth is now mostly just mutants and cyborgs after the REM virus hit. Yeah, I mean, it's the end of the world, etc. Exactly. Stand in the place we are, buddy. They aren't shiny, happy people. Or, no, if they're mostly made of metal, then they are shiny, happy people. Ah. They're looking for the Davika cult and thus the Deus Machina and find a professor who's an expert on the subject. Evert Klein, we're coming to talk to you. He was real handsome back in the day. Mm. On top of the giant Signet building, a man who we learn is called Moderator Reich is complaining about his wife. Ooh, she wants new upgrades when an aide informs him about the destruction of those Elvis bots. The- I, I love his Destro look, by the way. Totally. Got a very, very mat- like a uh, get mask thing going on. Mm-hmm. The moderator says to call up to someone named Quiller and then to scramble a squad of A colon M troops to capture Tyranny. At Klein's place, Tyranny knocks and the doc recognizes her instantly. And he's, as you said, much older than the file they have on picture. He dreamed of her coming, it seems. And Real that there's weird. been. Yeah, it says there's been mutterings of apocalypses all over the place. All right, all right there, bud. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the nunnery, Captain Ortrancho of the Damamites is worried that his taskmaster is on the way as that alien spine cage surrounding the godskin starts to grow and change. The sisters brace once more for an attack as Ortranto seems very worried about the arrival of Reverend Hayes. On Earth, Tyranny asks about the Davika, but the pr- professor is very wordy and takes his time explaining, and it's total letdown. He doesn't know shit. Just rumors and stories with some useless artifacts to go with them. Really not helpful there, bud. Yeah, not much is known about this Deus Machina, either the ghost in the machine or the god in the machine. Maybe it's a group thought form or an etheric parasite or a cybernetic engram or just uh, a all right. plain old AI, buddy. Who's to say? Only the Davika know and they've all gone, uh, gone underground, but they do have some guardians and connections, people who have knowledge of them if you know where to look. Yeah, so where? Mm. The sisters see signs and portents everywhere as suddenly the tendrils of that bio cage burst forth and Ortrancho and his lover Montaigne hold each other close as Hayes arrives. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. God. The, ca- the cage rips open through the convent, killing dozens as Ortrancho begs Montaigne to kill him rather than let him be put in the love booth. But Hayes is there! And he's fabulous, Fox. Oh my God, he knows. He's got he's got a megaphone. He's got a, a, a necklace of hands that all clap when he does a good, fucking hilarious. He's got tons of designs on his face: pink swirly hair, that whole outfit, magnificent. He's got green hands. It's kind of like those a, are gloves. Yeah, it, it's kind of like a pre, like a priestly cassock and like hat, I guess. Yeah, but 
It's been styled to have like the pointy shoulders of evilness. And meanwhile, between his hat and the fact that he wears like this or between his hair, makeup and the fact that he kind of wears his hat right on the back of like the crown of his head and stuff like that definitely gives him this kind of like sinister gay coding. Oh, yeah. No, this dude is fab. absolutely wonderful love him to bits you love to see it ladies and gentlemen absolutely he's sort of the the sinister drag queen that no one likes to talk about that much i guess (laughs) does very well on rupaul's drag race but loses in the end as we all i mean the biggest problem the biggest problem going against them is you know they're just the scourge of the western worlds they're raw evilosity fox and I do like, I, I really like the necklace of hands that then when he sort of finishes a sentence, they all clap. It actually really reminds me of, I don't, I don't know if you remember in a, in a Zenith book four, when the Ligors like take over the world and they turn every, Everybody's all the humans head heads hands. yeah into big hands that are always clap or that are always clasped until one of them flies by and then they all and like they clap, clap and cheer. I love that. Yep. That's a real crazy uh, uh, imagery. Um, yeah, anyway, Reverend Hayes shouts in his megaphone from atop the, the, some sort of giant steaming doom engine. He wants drama. <laughs> Tyranny is scouring the Docklands like Dread looking for sugar, uh, trying to find a lead on the Davika, finally finding some pictograms that lead her to a, con- a chrome convent. I don't know. At Signet, yeah. Reich contacts Quiller. They've spotted Tyranny and Richelieu, and there's already a team on their way. Um, inside the convent, a bunch of goons burst into the building as Tyranny enters as well, and they attack and pin down a single boy as his eyes start to glow, and a mass oh. of energy shoots out and unravels these goons. Yeah, it turns them into guts. The kid covered in blood, standing in a pile of gore and bones. It's pretty awesome. The a, a nun identifies the kid as one of the Davika. He's got the devil in him, but he corrects her. No, the Deus Machina. He floats into the air in front of Tyranny and speaks in octagonal word bubbles with like a tech font. He's been waiting for her for a long time. Um, back on back on at the nunnery, uh, Hayes berates Ortranto for his failure of letting Tyranny escape, even though it seems victory is at hand as the uh, as the cage is whipping its way through the uh, through the monastery, killing everybody, or through the convent, yeah. or whatever. But it wasn't perfect, so you got minus points. Yeah, and you know you're making AP minus exactly, and you're making the excuses, and Hayes is tired of them, and so he says in the end Ortranto is worth more dead than alive and offers him a wickedly bladed knife to take care of things. Oh yeah, that's that's straight up for cutting your guts out. Next time arrivals. Very good. It's good. I mean, yeah, I definitely feel like, you know, we're moving at a whip crack pace for this one, you know. Yeah. And so I appreciate that. You know, like Tyranny's on an urge on an urgent mission, and so it means they don't have to spend too long messing around trying to find the the machina or whatever. Nah, man. You know, arrive, kill some robots, bing, bang, boom, we found it. Let's get going. You know, nice and nice and simple story. Absolutely, yeah. I'm re- I'm happy to keep it going. I, I like I like these characters, and again, just a, a fun. Neat little thing. Real real water in this oasis, Fox, if you ask me. Oh, God. It is, it is the only oasis. 
Speaking of making new friends, Fox. Oh. Yeah. I'm like a mysterious disembodied voice that helps you out on your quest. Yeah. Yeah. Thrill 8, Rogue Trooper. Oh, God, remember from a thousand years ago when he was in this situation? Well, he's mm. back and still in that same situation. Hope you were paying attention. Here we go. Script robot Michael Fleischer and Alan McKenzie as Fleischer Falco. Chris, uh, art robot Chris Weston, Mike Hadley, letter robot Bunty Mayhew, who, who I believe is a new letterer on the scene. Um, and my under- here, here's my understanding, Fox. Basically, okay. In 1994, in the 2080 offices, there's a bunch of paid-for but shitty Michael Fleischer scripts lying around. <laughs> They're a relic from the period where secret where uh, 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 where secret agent billionaire Robert Maxwell used the comic to distribute CIA and Mossad-funded messages in the pages of the Progs using Rogue Trooper stories. Oh, yeah, that's right. Do your research, buddy. It happened. Um, Holy shit! Not listen. That's my conspiracy theory about it. All of the uh, all of the unnecessary three letter abbreviations in Rogue Trooper are actually messages to various uh, spies and other God things damn. like that in um, the pages of a uh, Rogue of a Rogue Trooper. But when Maxwell died, it led to a souring of the relations. They didn't know, like you know, no one, no one besides him really knew that those messages were coming in. But the CIA, but like there was some CIA intern who still who was in charge of writing the scripts to put the messages in there, and realized that this order was just a standing order. So he basically just like sort of you know supplemented his CIA income by just writing crappy Rogue Trooper and Harlem <laughs> Heroes strips for a couple of years until they finally, until they finally Edgemont finally came in and realized what was going on and sort of turned off that expense account. Jesus, love to hear it. This is not this is not actually true, Fox, but it's my it's my conspiracy. Oh, that's theory. fine. That's the headcanon I'll take. It makes it more interesting. Robert Maxwell, secret agent. <laughs> anyway, also, I assume that Weston's on pencils and inks and Hadley's doing color. And here we go. Friday's being am. Oh, and sorry. And we're just sort of. Je- sorry. So I should say we- we've got these scripts lying around. And so basically, Mackenzie has stepped in to sort of use them as a baseline, but punch them up a little bit. So they're good enough for use in theory. Um, yeah, and in this case, really using them to bring biochips back into Rogue Trooper, which you know, good on you. I mean, I think we've talked a lot about how how I know I've missed the biochips in the Friday yeah. era. I think you got to rule like reel them in a bit, but yes, like I think if Fry if the if Rogue Trooper if these stories are written very well, you don't need biochips, but. They aren't being very well written, so you do need biochips, <laughs> basically. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Friday is being ambushed by a bunch of Nort-affiliated scavengers. They open fire and he runs. He's only, um, you know, he runs and they're like, oh, he's only one man. Bring him down, etc. Things look bad for Friday when he hears a voice coming out of some kind of like, I don't know, sci-fi butt plug or something. It, <laughs> yeah. it is. It says, it, is. Fr- it says Friday's probably spooked from his encounter with the Reapers of Souls in a previous issue, but he's got to fight smart and use that mag flare he's got to distract the enemies and get your gear back so you can shoot them all. And, you know, I can't help but notice that he's also got just grenades sort of strapped to his the shoulder straps of his yeah. backpack. Anyway... <laughs> 
<laughs> this works, and soon the surviving baddies are on the run. Friday picks up the plug, and he introduces himself as the Boogeyman's Finder, a device that he uses to find his ship. Oh, man, you know that's the name of a butt plug. And the device is powered by a biochip. In this case, a chip that used to be a soldier on an alien planet in an alien war zone that died fighting. The Reaper took his soul and put in a chip, and it seems he does this all the time using the stored consciousnesses in the chips to power up his devices and do other weird stuff, I'd imagine. I don't know. Friday's heard enough and tells the chip to lead him to the Reaper's base. Friday's followed the men that attack him back to their own base first, though, uh, to try to steal a vehicle to go after the Reaper. He and Finder talk strategy as Friday infiltrates, but suddenly a a swarm of attack drones go after him. Friday doesn't run, though, and then those soldiers guys come and taunt him like, oh, we've got you. But Friday then hits a magic (laughs) signal jammer that turns the drones against their masters, and he's able to steal a sweet hover bike and rides off to find that Reaper with dreams of kicking his ass for fun. I will say all of the vehicles in this are great because they are so overdone. I mean, I love Chris Weston's stuff. You know, I'm a big fan of his artist. Of his art. He's a fr- friend of the show. And I love this hover bike. It's got so many fans and intakes and shit. It's great. <laughs> and, well, it's got a flamethrower right next to a fucking chain gun, a missile launcher on the right side, a gun on the back so that if you were riding, you know, a yeah. hug seat, you could turn around instead of hugging and shoot instead. It's also just got uh, just so many intakes. <laughs> So, yeah, listen, it's all fans. Um, Friday blasts around the countryside looking for the Reaper when suddenly he's picked up on the scopes of some religious-themed sh- soldiers with heavy artillery. But oh, they, and when you say heavy artillery. Yeah, you know, like these <laughs> giant cannons. It's good. It's, it's what Grice should have had in Inferno, frankly. Fucking tell me about it. It's a... It's a it's a gun tank is the only way that I can yeah, describe it. just big, big howitzer. <laughs> but they identify him as a warrior and hold fire and offer him a chance to join them and die in holy battle. And when he meets up with them, there's a bunch of like r- pretty detailed faces in this crowd, which makes me wonder yeah. if, these are, if this is a reference to something I'm missing, basically. Happy to hear it if, if folks know in the comments. They bring, they bring Friday in and ask him to fight in the name of the holy god Carvenu against the evil followers of Vanu Kar, which, you know, is sort of the same name, but in, inverted, who also have big artillery guns. And they open fire on the Carvenus <laughs> and kill everybody instantly. In an explosion, Friday's trapped under some wreckage. And oh no, the Reaper of Souls is on his way. We gotta get the frick out of here. Stick me up your butt. He can't move, so the butt plug... Friday can't... is like his, He's trapped, so the butt plug demands he be turned <laughs> off so that he won't lead the Reapers straight to Friday, but instead he can do some sneaking around stuff. Next time, stowaway. Oh, that's also really good, uh, <laughs> you know, because he sticks him in his butt. Got an extra passenger. <laughs> in your butt. <laughs> Dude, I didn't think of it as a butt plug until you said it. Now I just can't stop seeing it. It's shaped it's a like one, buddy. Like I know what I... Listen, I've seen everything everywhere all at once. I know my butt plugs, you know? <laughs> I've not seen that. And the fact that there is that... Oh, I feel bad very excited. I'm, I'm very excited to see this movie. You, you got us. It's really good. I think you'll really like it, Fox. And it's, got okay. some, it's got some pretty good parts. Oh, man. I don't want to tell yeah. you anything else. All right. Anyway, speaking of fantastical alternate realities, Thrill 9, Dinosity. 
fan- fantastic, not the word I necessarily use. That's fine. Like, I can't tell if it's, it's supposed to be like dynasty, but also dino, dynosity, something like that. Script robot Pat Mills, art robot Clint Langley, letting robot Ellie DeVille. It's the first time we're seeing Clint Langley on the podcast. In early days, this artist will go on to work extensively with Pat Mills in the pages of 2000 AD. I mean, crazy art. Definitely. Absolutely. Very slimy. Yeah, it's, it's, it actually has a very, like, sort of height of Warhammer 40, like, 80s Warhammer 40K feels to it. That's sort of There's John Blanche stuff. There's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, anyway, this comic was originally supposed to be in this thing I've mentioned a couple times before, uh, Earthside 8, which was going to be a 2080 companion comic aimed at 8 to 12-year-olds. Although, like all the Earthside 8 stuff I've seen, Fox, this com- this comic is surprisingly violent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it's got an eight-year-old's mindset. Yeah, well, listen, Fox, imagine a focus group where the younger brother of the kid that gave us flesh said, oh, I like dinosaurs, but I don't like the monarchy. Make a comic about death. <laughs> Oh, yeah, cowboys <laughs> fell out of fashion. Now it's just like, give me sword and board. N- yeah, give me, yeah, give me dinosaurs. Give me a satire of uh, the concept of royalty. Here we go. Oh, gosh. <laughs> just. <laughs> uh, All I don't, right. I mean, it, it lands on the dinosaur thing, I guess. Pretty yeah, so well. Prince Elvis, the Trubasaur, is recording the deeds of his father, Duke Gorgos the Good, on the distant planet of Dinos, where gross, slobbery dinosaurs do tongue stuff and have weird hairdos. <laughs> There's the Duke and his wife, and Elvis and his older brother, Rex, and Rex is kind of a upper-class twit, basically. Yeah, well, the Duke is- murderer. Yeah, whereas the Duke is like he's a he's like a younger version of like Robert Baratheon from Game of Thrones, basically. Like yeah. he likes his wine, very dissatisfied by his Ponzi son, that kind of stuff. Anyway, they do rich people stuff while eating humans and drinking their blood and stuff. And a lot of this is very like Flintstone style, like make it a human kind of things. Like they're yeah, like, oh exactly. yes, like, what kind of blood would you like for dinner? And there's like both this sort of hardy big guy that's a red and then an old, like, um, you know, aged, this dry white wine. It's just this old codger kind of guy. Yeah. Um, anyway, don't worry, because these humans don't have feelings. It's like the middle part of Planet of the Apes, where it's also a movie about, like, the vivisection. I debate. mean, but they do have feelings. They and they clearly talk and shit. Like, it's not like Planet of the Apes, where the humans can't, like, have evolved to be unable to speak and stuff. These humans have a society, clearly. <laughs> they live in one, for sure. What aren't they telling us about cows, though, Fox? Did you ever think about that? Oh, boy. That's right, you son of a bitch. Um... <laughs> Sorry, Ve- sorry. I'm 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 very antagonistic this episode. No, <laughs> it's beautiful. I love it. Fox. Anyway, um, at at a bloody dinner, Elvis brings grim news: the Duke's Ugh. cousin, Lord Quarrel, has been stabbed by a magic sword that sucked all the evil out of him and made him a pacifist. And then okay. he was just slaughtered by humans, and the humans absorbed the evil, and somebody and vomited it out, puked it back up, and it's weird. I don't I it. saw him in the closet and he was eating the evil and then he puked up the evil and the evil looked at me. <laughs> and that's how you I know it was real. The evil looked at you. Um anyway, uh bu- 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 
A preacher oh, dino says this is punishment for the dinosities decadent ways, but it, the dino wizard Walpurgis identifies the sword as belonging to the beings that ruled this planet before the dinos, the dracons. And indeed, that means that this human wielding it must be dracon the derrister. Okay. Like the medieval horse fox. Don't don't know. <laughs> Gotta play more D&D. The humans are revolting, Fox. Har, har, har. Is what I wrote in my notes. Oh, yeah. And the Dinosity are taking them down with these lawnmower-like dude threshers. But Darkon is here. He pukes out a big gross demon and commands it to kill the dinos, but it's just an illusion. Thinking fast, Gorgos pulls out some styracosaurus intestines from a nearby corpse and uses them as a tripwire to stop his fleeing troops, then leaps inside the mouth of a giant attacking dino that the demon has possessed and cuts his way out. He's cheered as a hero. Huzzah! Yeah, okay. And there's just a lot of, like, there's a lot of jokes of the, like, like, oh, I say someone should should fight that bally death monster. Yes, yes, I believe someone should. Will will you do it, old bean? Oh, I would, but I've recently uh, uh, sprained my ankle and shan't be able to. Oh, really? It's too much. Look, uh, our dear sovereign lord, Dugorgos, will handle it. Oh, what a bally old chap. It's like a golf clap, Fox. All right. (laughs) I I mean, you nailed it. It's also the part (laughs) that I'm just like, uh, okay. Indeed. So it's tournament time for the dinos, and Gorgos is great at this stuff. Oh, jolly good joust. We check in on the royal family, and then Gorgos has served up a bevy of human beauties, which he swiftly devours, and they're super into it. They've been brainwashed by the dinosaurs, not unlike the common man who's been brainwashed into providing sustenance for the royalty of our own world, Fox. Yeah. Oh. Ooh. Think about it. Doing it. I'm sorry, I don't want to think Do about it. it. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Elvis interviews Gorgos for the Royal Flush Weekly, a magazine he writes for, when, where Gorgos dismisses this human rebellion in favor of the long war that they're fighting against the hairy T-Rexes, who are heretics that believe the great glowing egg in the sky is poached instead of fried and are burned at the stake for this heresy. Yeah, okay. Meanwhile, at a human tavern, the rebels and their 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 movement is called Bad Meat, and mm. they all got names like the Rancid Kid and Sal, Ugh. Manella, and stuff like that. Yeah. And they're playing to strike against the Dinosity, but, oh, geez, the tavern mistress likes the Dinosity. There are betters, Foxy. She's got commemorative, commemorative plates, and, plates and stuff from the most previous royal wedding. And, like, I don't think you're getting this rich symbolism, buddy. <laughs> it's just text. I'm going to punch you in the face so you understand. <laughs> and that's as subtle as it gets, you know? Yeah. Really? Anyway, they, they argue about the popular support of royalty in the face of the oppression of the working classes and resolve to take the dinos down. Oh, but what if in doing so they become the slaves of the God. beings that are helping them take their current masters down? They become slaves to completely new masters. Oh, fuck. Oh, what are we going to do? So much college knowledge being dropped. Next time, forward to battle. <laughs> Oh, boy. There's going to be more of that next time. (laughs) All right. Fox, I got to know. 
I mean, I can tell you very easily. January, February 1994, tops and bots, I want to know what you got. Ah, okay. I mean, it, my top is easily Tyranny Rex. It is beautiful, it's fun, it's fast-paced and snappy. The I, I love her, like, not cynical, but just, like, her, her thought boxes are very much like, Jesus God, this guy is just talking, and it serves as a fast-forward for what the fuck's going on. Yeah, yeah, she she's all business and doesn't... Snarky. Yeah, it will just sort of yada yada the recap stuff that's not actually that important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, special mention to Judge Dredd, if it wasn't so racist, I'd probably enjoy it a little bit more. I mean, it's it's an interesting story, I guess, because it's like we got to stop this drug drug trade. But yeah, listen, I'm it always seems, I'm, it yeah. seems so light. It seems so like they're like low stakes. I'm always happy to see more of Dread World Fox. Well, yeah. well, but I would I would like it to not be also racist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then for bottom. Luke Kirby wasn't offensive. It's, I mean, I laughed at it the most, I think. And Rogue mm-hmm. Trooper is exactly what Rogue Trooper has always been. So it's going to Dinosity because, man, I, I get it. And also, I mean, I, I appreciate how gross it is, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like if the British royal family were on a commercial for all of those creepy crawlers that you could make and then eat. You know, mm. it's like, oh, I'm going to gross out my sister because I'm eating this bug that I built out of this brain mold. You know, <laughs> it is. It, I get it. It's just like, I don't know. I What's the story here? <laughs> I guess other than it just being a vehicle for, for comedy that doesn't that falls flat for me personally, mm. I suppose. So that's my bottom there. Um, I, it would go to Big Dave, but Big Dave by the skin of its teeth. <laughs> I only had to read one of them. Fuck Big Dave. Conrad, <laughs> mm. now I have to know what were your top and bottom thrills. I think I know your top. I mean, my top's are cl- like definitely Tyranny Rex. I'm liking it. Um, and also shout out to Revere, of course. Just the, uh, oh, yeah. just the, uh, the John Smith Power Hour. Really enjoying it. I feel like his work's really, again, what I'm clinging to in this uh, fairly shoddy period i feel like i'm being real negative and i don't want to be fox but i'm <laughs> that's, not that's okay we're 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 in the cesspit i'm not pleased with our current 2000 ad content fox and i'm worried that it's gonna be a little while before things pick up again <laughs> well years literally well like i would like i'm i'm hoping yeah like i'm i'm hoping for sort of mid 95 or something like that like i mean we're a ways away from that buddy hold on we're definitely we're definitely right at the at the dawn of 94 so you know being in a position where i'm like well you know i think once the pit comes like that's gonna be real good (laughs) babies you know and knowing that while the pit is one of the best dread stories ever it's also in december of 1995 is sort of oh my god that's so far away it's a challenge it's It's a challenge of time it's really far away conrad fuck anyway tyranny rex top bottom listen i don't have your compunctions about fairness fox i don't believe in that sort of thing (laughs) so uh, basically when the universe serves me Big Dave, <laughs> I'm happy to put Big Dave at my bottom. I don't care if it's one thrill. <laughs> Big Dave could be one panel. Like, they could put Big Dave in a panel, in a pinup, 
and I'll make that my worst fox. I'm happy with it. Could I retroactively make my Big Dave? No, you made your choice. You love Big Dave now. That's your favorite thrill. <laughs> yeah. You love Big Dave. Anyway, hope oh. everybody enjoyed this show. As always, you can find Space Pin in 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Spotify, or podcast site at spacepinner2000.com. Contact Whoa. us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com. And the 2080 forums are our Facebook or Twitter page on Twitter at spacespinner2k. For everything else, look up spacespinner2000. We should be there. Drop us a rating or review wherever it is you're listening. That helps us out a lot as well. This show is brought to you by Steve Green, Robert Hardingham, and your friends at the 2080 forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash cradaline. That's the podcast network. And you can, yeah, show your support and get advanced episodes. It's a good time. Then come back next episode is pretty much everything we've got is going to roll forward, Fox. Oh, God. More? Oh, yeah. I was just hoping for a series of blank pages in between me reading uh, Tyranny Rex. It's going to be, yeah, more Tyranny Rex, more Luke Kirby, more Rogue Trooper, more Dynocity. Ugh. Luke Kirby will take a break about halfway through, and we will start a new thrill, Fox, which I am very trepidatious about. What's that? A story about a masked weirdo known only as the Grudge Father. Okay. Uh, It was a cool name, I guess. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I don't remember reading it, Fox. I have no actual opinions. I'm just, I'm, I'm leery about it. I have, I have no imagination for Grudge, Father. What is it? What could we'll it le- possibly be? We'll learn together. And until then, I'm Conrad's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Sunday, Sunday Earth Rig! Earth Rig!